I don't know if I need a microphone for this crowd, but we're from Leap Motion. We're developing the Leap Motion controller. It's a new gestural controlling interface that allows you to basically reach into your computer and manipulate and control your computer, which means unlimited possibilities in the future for how you can control a virtual environment. Uh, my name is Justin. Right, yeah, so there's the three of us. I'm Mike, uh, we've got Isaac and Justin. Justin is handling the hardware side of it. He's actually designing, he's designing the hardware inside of this thing, which is a pretty mean feat in itself. And Isaac is basically handling sort of, uh, what, what was your term that you used before? It was a, he's building cool shit, basically. He's building some really cool shit. So we're uh, pre-stage. So have, have any of you guys heard of Leap Motion before? Yeah, are you developers or? Yeah, okay. So um, we're we're running a developer program. We haven't actually launched the product yet, but what we have done is we've distributed about 10,000 of these kits to developers around the world, and they're working with our SDK. We've got an API available in six languages. So that's uh, JavaScript, well Java, Python, C++, C Sharp, Objective C, and uh, JavaScript I just mentioned before. But you'll see a little bit of that with with Isaac's work as well. So what you're seeing here is Justin is playing around with what we call a visualizer. Um, you can see that we're tracking all of his fingers in real time in 3D, as well as the palm. So this is pretty unique. There's actually no technology around that can get this sort of accuracy with this low latency. Because what you're seeing here is his fingers are being tracked down to a hundredth of a millimeter in 3D space, basically a inverted pyramid above this device. And the amazing thing is this is all being done with less than five milliseconds latency. So this is particularly interesting in the music industry because what you're getting here is direct feedback. What your actions that you're doing, you're getting instantaneous feedback, which is basically without that, it's impossible to sort of do any sort of musical applications. And in the API, yeah, we've also actually built in higher level APIs. So gestures, motions. And so what you're seeing here is taps being detected. You can see circles, swipes. And this is just really to make it easier for developers to get started. Anything above 15 milliseconds and you're gonna to start to see, you'll have a noticeable lag and you'll actually feel that in the experience. If you say pluck a virtual string, you'll notice that latency, the, the feedback that you get. So when, when you're working at latencies in the order of three to five milliseconds, the human brain can't perceive that. So it does really feel like what you're doing is, is actually happening in real time and instantaneous. So the top right here, you see coordinates. XYZ coordinates and speed as well. Basically all these numbers, the colors correlate to the fingers that are being tracked. And so we have XYZ position coordinates and the speed. And you can also see the arrow, if I zoom in a little bit, the arrow of my finger is pointing in the direction of my finger. Same thing with my palm. So you can see palm orientation downwards, upwards. Sometimes we're still working on tracking so there's section here where sometimes you lose it, but we're working on it. These yellow lines here kind of demonstrate the cone of reactivity. So we have an active space that this thing creates. And we shine infrared light out, and the light is detected by two cameras inside. So you can see after I exit the cone of sensitivity, I guess you can call it, you kind of get its noise and you lose tracking. So, But if you place it intelligently in front of your musical instrument or computer, what, what have you, whole space in front of you becomes an active environment you can now manipulate. So this is the data that we give to developers. If you're a developer, if you're making an application, this is all the data you can use to create whatever you want, which means if you're making a musical application, which I'm sure a lot of you are thinking of, all this data can be used to manipulate sound and music, create 
anything with media, really. That's just one type of application that you can use this controller for. But we provided an open framework for people to kind of use this data and design whatever you want with it. So today, what we'd like to show you guys, since this is a Music Tech Summit, we'd just like to show you how you can incorporate this data into something like Ableton Live or Tractor or what have you. Also visuals, so if you want to synchronize visuals to your movement in the back of you if you're a performer, and they can all be synchronized together just, just with your hand movements that usually when you're performing don't do too much. So you move your hands around in the air when you're performing, but it doesn't do anything. So now you have the possibility of making movements on stage, your expressions do something, right? And when you play music, of course, you're trying to express something, so you're obviously moving in a certain way. So I'm going to switch over to this computer where I have an audio demo running. So a developer, I think, out in Germany has created something called Gecko. So this is the Gecko application. So you, you just saw the visualizer. This application, let me maximize it here. Cool. So the data that you saw has been translated into more expressive general movements. So at the bottom you see left-right position, left-right distance, up-down position, up-down distance. So you have the pitch of your hand, the rolling orientation, and the yaw. Also, open and closed fingers, right? So left-right hand. You can assign all of these movements to a MIDI channel and a MIDI control message. And this acts now as like a MIDI device. So if I want to go into Ableton, actually, before I do that, let me just explain what you're seeing here. So here's my right hand. And all those icons are kind of displaying the movements. And the bars you see moving up and down correlate to the value of the MIDI CC number that I'm sending. Okay, so you can see as my hand moves around, all these different kind of parameters are being adjusted just by my hand. So it's kind of like a MIDI knob, but being able to twist multiple knobs in all different ways with just one hand. So if you're into like live automation, you can automate things that you weren't able to do live now just with your hand expressively. So let's now go over to Ableton. And basically, when you run this Gecko application, it'll show up as a MIDI input device here. Okay? And I've set it up to react to my movements. And here we have just a um, ambient type of sound. Not going to focus on a genre of music, just noise here. And what you'll hear, as soon as I put my hand in the range that the leap can sense, I'm going to trigger all these clips to play. And my hand movements are going to adjust the sound. you're seeing here, um, if you can see, let's say um, I, I stick my left hand in and I move it forward. The volume on the first two clips, I see it moving up and down. So I, I'm basically conducting an orchestra with multiple instruments here. Let me just solo one so you can kind of understand really what's going on. Here, I've set the roll of my left hand to speed up and slow down a wobble. 
can hear as my hand gets higher, I add like a crunch effect to it. Okay, so I'm, I'm adding a send. Right, so that's one, that's one instrument just, just being controlled with my hand. So you can imagine if I want to if I want to be a dubstep musician and I want to make crazy wobbles live, right? I don't need something preset now. I can just kind of like move, move my hand how a DJ normally moves their hand and create music expressively. So I'm gonna unsolo this one and I'm gonna solo. Uh, this is uh, Native Instruments Absent. Okay, so basically this application gives you the ability to translate leap data into MIDI CC control messages. This is just one application somebody somebody decided to create for the Leap Motion device. So if you guys are getting ideas right now just by looking at this, feel free to contact us and we can give you a dev kit and you can develop a cool application to do whatever you think with music. I'd like to show one other cool thing really quick before we go to Kabibo. This is pretty stupid, in my opinion, but it's neat and it's fun. If you're a DJ, you can now scratch your record in midair. So let's open up Tractor. I don't need any DJ equipment. I can just kind of go like that wherever. Excuse me if this song is weird. I have no idea what I'm, I've got here. She's the kind of girl you want to marry. So when my hand enters the scene, it's kind of a hack right now, but I'm just setting MIDI CC values just to control the scratch, right? So when my hand enters the scene, I stop the platter, and when I move it back and forth, I scratch the waveform. I've kind of like messed around with sensitivity values and stuff. Um, you can, this is just a research kind of project. So if you can definitely, you know, create some sort of like rotary effect. Just kind of imagine like what you can do now. As, as performance, um, DJs usually just kind of stare at their computer and stand there. Uh, if you want to be more of a performer, this can enable you to be more interactive on the stage. Um, okay, so what you can also do is link visuals to sound, right? Um, so this Isaac here, his uh, codename is Kabibo, and he's got some amazing visuals. We can keep the music going. And we'll put two leaps next to each other since we've got two computers running at the same time and we'll synchronize the music to the visuals. And if you're wondering how much this costs, it's 80 bucks, so it's super affordable. So one thing that's really cool about this is that you saw all the MIDI inputs that he had, but the inputs that we're using for the visuals to correlate with the MIDI inputs are actually totally different things. So most of what he's doing with Gecko is all palm rotation, palm you know, direction, placement of the hand, etc. And what I'm actually using for mine is all fingertip position. 
So you can see that while he's doing one thing expressively with his hand, he can be using his fingers to be making a, a different sort of emotion or a different sort of expression. However, he's able to play both the visuals and the audio at the same time for a, a single immersive experience. Um, so yeah, you wanna... Okay, so you can, you can see that my hand is, uh, on this one, all of it is fingers. So you can see me kind of wiggling the fingers there. If I put one out, you see just one. But at the same time, I'm also moving and changing the different parts of the song itself. So I can literally change one thing and be changing the other, be changing both the audio and the visual at the same time, which is, uh, for us at least, a pretty magical experience to be able to hook uh, two different programs and have the power of the MIDI while still having all the power of the leap. So it's like, you, there's so many different things that you can map with the MIDI that you actually get to do as much as you want. Uh, both with audio and with visual, which becomes a, a, a much more grandiose experience because you get to literally see the music that you're playing. And even the music you're playing, you also get to see the person creating the, that music with their hand. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do some more crazy stuff with them first. And you can imagine too, right now I have those all working with keyboard commands, but you could imagine that, you know, you could just have drawing a circle with your hand and start rotating it one direction. You could even have the direction of the circle that you're rotating change uh, what direction it itself is rotating. Um, so that is uh, just one example of being able to link the audio and the visual. Um, but a lot of what I'm also interested in uh, is, is just in general immersive experiences. One of the beautiful parts about the Leap is that it really takes away any sort of uh, space between the viewer and the art. So as you're experiencing an art, uh, you don't want to have anything in your way that's, that's prohibiting uh, you experiencing the actual emotion that the art's trying to give you. Um, so this specifically was a... Uh, it's kind of like a 3D space exploration music blog that I've been working on. Um, and it was a really, it was a, definitely a really long project that I was working on before I even knew about the Leap. Um, and the wonderful thing about it is that when I was using it with a mouse, it, uh, a mouse, it's still really magical in a lot of ways, but there's still something that's like, what I'm doing is not actually what I'm doing on the screen. I, I actually have to manipulate something that is not the thing that I'm watching. So you can see now though, you can actually fly using your hand. Um, and the lighting's obviously not too good, but you can see that we can go anywhere in the universe. And so the idea behind this project is that these are different little uh, galaxies that you can go around in and actually see the audio visualized wherever you go. Um, so right now we're in, uh, the hit and run uh, galaxy, which is a label out of LA, um, but we can go out and uh, go into LA itself. Um, so now we're gonna fly out into LA. Um, and so then there's a whole bunch of other galaxies. So right in front of us is the brain feeder galaxy. So we're gonna go in here and see all these different songs in here. 
but you can see that like it it it's cool and it's um and it's magical, but it, it, it isn't nearly any of those things without the leap. When you have just a mouse, you're holding the mouse down or you're not holding the mouse down. You're moving it around the screen to see different things, but it isn't anything that's like actually flying through space and you, you, you feel like you're the one moving the camera through this galaxy uh, and discovering all these new things that you never even knew existed before. So it, it, it allows an immersive experience to truly be immersive because you're doing more than just moving a mouse and controlling what is on the screen itself. You're actually getting to be part of the experience itself. Um, so I'll take you out uh, a bit further than uh, just LA. We'll go out into uh, maybe... Uh, so now we're in LA um, and we'll just keep on flying out. And now we're in North America, so you can see other galaxies. Uh, there's Canada, obviously. You <laughs> can stay away from there. It's got Justin Bieber, okay? <laughs> but now we're in the full universe and we can fly over to, I don't actually know where this is, but I think it's Oceania. But you can see that every sort of um, place you go, as you go there, it, it just becomes a new way to kind of uh, travel through music. And you literally get to uh, consume music in a way that you never could have consumed before. So this is a track from the Akira soundtrack, but we can go into actual different countries in Asia. This is a record label out of Japan. But basically, as you can see, like you, there's, there's one thing to experience something magical, and there's another thing that is actually being part of that experience. And the Leap really allows you to be part of an experience that you couldn't have been part of before. Before, the experience that you were part of was moving this thing that was plugged into your computer. And even though this is still something that's plugged into your computer, you're actually feeling like you're looking at and doing the things that you physically are doing, which is a truly magical experience. Um, you could see it with the audio and now we're doing it uh, with this other sort of traveling demo. Um, and to me, this is also uh, kind of like revolutionary or like very disruptive in the, in, in, in the gaming atmosphere. Um, so this is more of a demo than a full blown game. But uh, this one basically is uh, like 3D Snake. And if you think about it in real life, it would actually just be, you know, like touching things. It'd be like, I'm gonna touch this and then touch this. But as you're like zooming through a vortex, trying to find these different things, it becomes a lot more magical. So this one also is uh, using the Web Audio API. I don't know um, if any of you guys are familiar with that, but it's really cool because you can actually place all the sounds in 3D space. So you can see, basically the point of this game is to build a song. And as the different loops pass by you, they will become louder and louder. So you can see that one on the top right as it passes by um, will actually pass by your ear itself. So uh, the goal of this is to just hit these different loops and then build them. And the more you build them, the more you can bring in other loops. So now we're literally just grabbing loop after loop after loop and strengthening all those until we kind of make a song that we feel like we have literally touched into existence. So let me, let me get a few more and then I'll show you another really exciting part about the leap, um, which is basically that it, it becomes an input that is more than one thing. So 
we talked about how it can be MIDI and fingers or how it can be flying any any one of those but what's really magical about this part is that I'm using it to uh, actually hit these different objects but at the same time I can also use it to control the music so what I'm doing right now is circling to make the music go faster in the game go faster it can get pretty intense and then I can tap the screen to go really fast um, and then I can also slow down the music just because this is this is a bit too fast for me okay I like this song more. you can hear that you can hear all the songs actually like flying past you in your ears and it really allows you to instead of having to move your mouse around to be able to feel like you're actually like touching these different things and doing different things that are actually changing the music you're making and uh, the one other thing that's really amazing about Leap is that you also can basically uh, have so much precision that it actually feels like you're, you're, you're doing something that literally was not possible before. If I made this game with the mouse, it could only exist within a 2D field. And now I have a, literally an entire new dimension of gaming that I've added to all of, of music and sound and game. Um, so I think I have one more audio thing I want to show you guys. And this one also is more of a demo than anything else. Um, it's not a polished product or anything. But this one to me uh, is, is uh, definitely a really exciting thing to have as like a, a, ex a experiment. And so the idea behind this one is that it's like a 3D sound mixer. So a lot of times when you're doing sound, you're, you know, you're turning up volumes on tracks or you're turning down volumes on tracks, but you're never actually um, thinking like, I want those violins in the back right, or I guess in the front left, um, if you're arranging it like an orchestra. But this one actually allows you to do that. So you basically go and you grab a loop and you can move it close to you. So that one's the, that like sparkling sound. So if I want to move it to the right, I can. I don't know if these you guys can really hear on the speakers, but it'll move from the left to the right. And you can move it from one side to another. You could actually physically throw the object and it will, you can hear it come and go away from you. Um, but you can, you can see that literally like it, it allows music to be created in a way that has literally never been able to be created before. I think that's pretty much all the music ones I have. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? So we have probably five minutes. I don't know if you guys have questions. Now is probably the perfect time to take questions. And if not, I can show you some more applications. Mobile support does not exist yet. Uh, yeah, so for mobile support right now, we're, we're much more interested with mobile, actually embedding it in mobile, because you know, if you have your leap in one hand and you have your mobile phone and you're trying to like, walk around, like, what are you supposed to motion with? Like, right. Use the camera to do that. But there actually have been a couple people who have hooked it up for like tablets and actually mobile phones by basically running it through a node server and then pushing that data out to different mobile devices. So, but that's more like, you know, like maybe like a, one thing I was thinking would be really excited for that would be like at a concert, the performer would actually say like, everybody download this app, I'm gonna be doing this and you can actually see visuals that I'm creating live and pushing all those to your phone, but it's the data itself that's being passed, not the actual device that's being plugged in. Uh, it's not to say we're interested in embedding this in mobile devices and pretty much any device in the future, so.
I was just going to say, uh, just to recap, uh, some of you went here at the beginning, but basically we're going to be launching this product that you see here in uh, July. But in terms of the roadmap, um, we've actually already got a deal with HP. We'll, uh, they'll start to embed the device directly into some of their computers. That, that's actually starting this year. And in terms of mobile, that's definitely on the roadmap, but it'll be a bit further on. Awesome. Are there any other... Well, one thing I noticed, even like in the, the record scratching thing, I, I used to DJ a long time ago, and the feel of a record is something that kind of grows on you, right? And when you scratch and so forth. So is there any work with like haptics or anything where we can kind of feel that? I mean, because it's... So if you're talking about DJs, you're talking about haptics actually feeling what's going on. We are working on stuff that I can't talk about, but it's definitely you just did. in our mind. So... <laughs> It's okay to say that, but I didn't say anything else. So, As far as haptic feedback, another thing that's been really exciting for us to think about is the fact that like, we're always talking about how it's like doing away with a controller. Like there, it's, it's controllerless. But the truth is, is that the controller is actually your hand. Um, so a lot of what we're thinking about is like haptic feedback of your own hand. So like when you go like this, you understand that touch. Or like when you go like this, you understand that touch. Or like, um, I mean, it's actually quite amazing how much your hand itself feels air and things like that. So there is always like the cool part about the haptic feedback is like that it's actually natural haptic feedback. So it's like building something that feels more natural than like the cushion of your of the tip of your finger is like so difficult. But the, the beautiful part is that we have that itself. So it's like we're using that in a lot of ways being like two fingers touching that sort of thing. Yeah, so right now it's a visual indicator for a feedback loop. So if I'm touching an object, I need to kind of see where I am on my screen. Um, if you kind of get more advanced and think about VR headsets in a virtual world, okay, where are my hands in the virtual world and what are they doing? Um, you know, so if I want to grab a microphone in space, I would kind of reach out and look at my screen and see where my two fingers are and kind of have, have that visual indicator of, okay, yeah, I'm close to enough to be grabbing that object, so virtually I'll be grabbing it and I can lift it and throw it and do stuff. Good. I have, uh, I have the microphones. So um, I have two questions that are not really related. One is uh, I look at this like a, uh, a digital theremin uh, I actually know somebody that plays the theremin quite well in a jazz band, so awesome. he'd probably be very interested in this. Awesome, yeah, I'm sure he would. Are we on uh, these mics as well? What's that? Are we on these mics as well? Hello? Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, just in terms of the theremin, that's definitely been a very popular um, discussion point amongst a lot of developers. Um, I think we, I mentioned earlier that we've got around 10,000 developers with kits at the moment. We actually had um, over 60,000 applications come in from developers to work with the product, and there was definitely a pretty good representation uh, amongst the community uh, for that use case. So I definitely think that we're going to see a new generation of theremins come for sure. That'd be cool. <laughs> Past Ed, Ed Wood type movies and stuff like that. So uh, the other question is, uh, how do you see this? This is more of a business question. Uh, how do you, does this relate to things that other people like Microsoft are doing with Connect? Uh, do you see them as a competitor? Do you th see that, uh, that it, this is uh, playing in, in their ecosystem as well? Um, we have very smart algorithms and IP, and um, the Connect is more of a um, full room 3D scanner, whereas our device is focusing on fine manipulation of finger movements and really figuring out what your hands are doing exactly, not necessarily um, more of a wide range of, oh, I'm, I might be over here with a little lag time. It's really super lag-free, super accurate, and 
oh, my finger's shaking because I had too much coffee this morning, it can actually pick that up. So, In, um, <coughs> in, in general, we're, um, I think what we're most excited about is the fact that there are now there are quite a few different people that are trying to work in the same, in this sort of 3D motion space, but what it's really demonstrating is that there's a lot of different use cases, and uh, I mean, like Justin just said, although there is some overlap, there's definitely specific use cases that we're focusing on, that Microsoft's focusing on, that other people in the industry are focusing on, but overall what it really does is it kind of justifies the industry as a whole, that, that we really are ready for this, um, that motion control is really happening now, so that's pretty exciting for us, and I mean, you know, we'll obviously have some great partnerships coming as well with different people. Yeah. You touched on the theremin. So that was invented by Leon Theremin in 1920. I'm very familiar with it. Russian physicist. It's a proximity sensor, right? So it's only one dimension. So it just knows how close my hand... Well, there, there's two proximity sensors, right? One for volume, one for frequency. So it's only sensing how close my hand is to, to the antenna but it's definitely not linear too, so you have to like shape your hand in weird ways to get the right note. Um, in this sense, it's a multi-dimensional theremin, so you have more than proximity, you have more than three dimensions, you have all sorts of gestures and what have you, pretty much unlimited, whatever you can think of what you can do with your hand can translate into something else. So um, it's a an infinite dimension theremin, if you want to call it, kind of relate it to that. Yeah, so the theremin is uh, all hardware audio output based. Some are, I guess there's some MIDI theremin, but uh, this is more uh, feeding the data directly into the computer and the software crunches all the data and performs the magic. Um, and I, I, on this, this thing, I, I was kind of working on it. It's, uh, it's some sort of cross between a theremin and I don't even know what else. Um, so I, I can't guarantee that it'll sound anything but really ugly because I'm not, uh, I'm not Theremin himself. But you can hear that you can actually move it. And then the cool part about this is that there's something additional, which is I can actually uh, kind of snip my fingers and that it'll place that object. And then as it rotates around, it'll start actually playing the song. So uh, as you can tell, it doesn't sound very good, um, but then you can kind of start place, pla placing a couple Theremin looper for you. Uh oh, that was a that was a bit sharp. So it gets kind of spooky really quickly, but you can see that it, it it's really it, it allows for like all these little demos to be made that are like very exciting, even if they are not the most harmonious. <laughs> Um, there were a lot of apps today that I saw being demonstrated and um, a lot of them could definitely be used with the Leap Motion controller. So if you're an app developer and you're interested in this, let us know and we can hook you up with a dev kit. We have an app store too called the Airspace Store, so you can sell your app on our store. I didn't really have a question, I just wanted, to, you guys have business cards, I just wanted to get yeah, your definitely. card. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Definitely, um, don't, I mean, feel like you can just come up afterwards and uh, we can definitely get in touch and answer any other questions as well. Okay, it's USB bus powered, so five volts. Um, depending on how close your hand is, so it's, it adjusts, um, it's basically adjusting LED power strength and stuff. So um, full power, you're looking at two watts right now. So um, sometimes it can get pretty warm. Uh, 
It's, it's fine though, it's pretty optimal as it is in its current state. We're working on new revisions already, even though this one hasn't even been released yet. So, um, uh, Power dissipation is a bit much, um, which is also a thing that we need to worry about if we're gonna look at embedding it into mobile and doing other cool things. What if you're out in the daylight, like outside? Um, so there is, um, sometimes there are issues with bright lights, but we have, spe I have uh, special algorithms that um, can kind of detect a bright light and it puts it into something called robust mode where it kind of separates that from the image. Okay. Um, and I, I missed the beginning. Uh, how many fingers can you track? There's really no limit. It's basically as many as can fit in the field of view. So by the field of view, um, you saw earlier there's this sort of inverted pyramid. That's oh. basically what the device can see. So if you can fit your hands in there, there's really no limit. That aren't counting fingers themselves. It's, it's really cool to be able to see like how much data can you actually cram into that um, visual feedback. And the answer is a lot. <laughs> What, what's the um, absolute voxel we're, accuracy? Well, we're tracking the fingertips down to a hundredth of a millimeter. And uh, as we mentioned uh, earlier in, in uh, Justin's demo, it, the latency is also very important. So we're down around about five milliseconds latency. So basically it means that anything that you do within that field of view is instantly um, seen on the screen as well. So it's very instantaneous feedback, which is important to get like a sense of um, your movements actually corresponding to what you see on the screen. All right, so you see, uh, it's kind of moving because of my face right now. You see these uh, yellow lines? That's like the cone of basically sensitivity. So that's the area that becomes active, okay? And then down at the bottom right, you see the lag time, right? So under 10 milliseconds really is I think, in my opinion, fine for music applications. It's two feet by two feet by two feet, so probably right about here. And there, so there's different modes too. So here's our Leap software here, right? So um, this runs in the background. I'm actually running in robust mode right now. Um, it actually, this actually might be due to my uh, laptop I'm running. Um, if you look here, here's my CPU temperature. So it's 95 degrees Celsius overheating. Um, so I'm having some hardware issues not related to the Leap. Um, so if I were able to click this menu here, you would see high speed, uh, you would see balanced mode, and you would see precision mode. So if you want uh, less noise or more range, you can put it into, into precision mode. Um, and then the balance between high speed and precision is of course balanced. So if you, want, if you need more range, you can kind of change modes. Uh, yeah, sub-millimeter. And I can, I don't know if you were here in the beginning, but I can zoom in and kind of show you so here's my hand, right? So let's start zooming in. Here's my finger. And if you can kind of, let me just do it like this so you can see my hand. So here's my finger, right? And so this is actually really good to scale to huge screens. So my finger is swiping across this 17-inch screen, but I'm barely moving it, right? So here's my finger stable. And my hands are shaking a little bit because I'm a little nervous up here. <laughs> so. So you should be able to measure something. Yes. There is some data we don't give you guys yet, but um, yeah, there's definitely some really cool applications you can do with this. Um, you can do it by like, sh like 
depending on the shape of a person's hand, you can do biometric stuff. Um, depending on some people's, like a hand signature, you can capture a hand signature. So my hand is shaped a little bit differently or shaking a little bit differently than other people's. So, okay, my name's Justin, because that's what my hand looks like. Or, you know, my name's Michael or Isaac, because my hands look different, so. You had two cups of coffee. <laughs> Three. <laughs> So um, with all the uh, apps that have been submitted, do you, do you see any patterns or vocab, vocab emerging from all these gestures or like a language, a set of languages emerging for different gestures? Um, one thing that we're uh, uh, especially different about than a lot of the other competitors, like have you seen uh, like Intel's new one or the Connect even, is that they're very much about um, doing kind of something like that, like a gesture language. Um, but one thing that we feel really strongly about is that the interaction that you should be doing is should, should be primarily like a physical, real, magical thing. Um, and, and, and that's very difficult, especially for a lot of developers who, who aren't necessarily, like we have things like circles or taps, um, swipes, things like that. But a lot of what we're interested in is like, what do you actually do when you move an object one way or another. You don't, you don't like do like a tap, then a left, left, right, left, you know, whatever. You, you actually physically grab that object and move it. So a lot of what we're saying is like, not so much a language as much as like uh, just considering things physically. Because like if you, if you watch like a lot of uh, actually children come up and start playing with the leap, they'll understand it instantaneously because it's just like, doing anything you're just putting your hand in and you're interacting with digital things physically so uh although a language is extraordinarily useful especially for a lot of developers who just want to do a circle or just want to do a tap we've provided that but it's much more interesting to us like when you're moving through an actual um menu let's say rather than going like circle left, right, whatever, you're actually physically like moving that menu down or you're moving that menu up. And maybe there's uh, certain specific things that aren't that, but in general, we're much more interested in physical interaction rather than like a new sign language almost. Google's implemented a, uh, they call it a non-leap con or non-mouse controller uh, just to make it more generic. But here's me flying around the globe uh, like Superman almost. So let's find San Francisco. Right, there's Mexico. Not very good at geology here. Where are we? Here we go. Alright, so San Francisco, and then here's the giant stadium. I think I see somebody I know there. <laughs> so here's just a really totally different from music, but a way to fly through a virtual world. Right, so I'm, I'm Superman, I'm flying. Um, you can actually enable like real-time weather on Google Earth, so you can look around at the weather and fly through. Um, another app, so again, if you have app ideas or an app that you would want to incorporate with the Leap Motion Controller, let us know. And you, you can see with that one, it, it isn't necessarily like do a circle to move left, do a swipe to move right, anything like that. It's literally physically like flying. And I think that Google Earth has done that, you know, very, very well. A lot of some of the apps that we see are like much more like only using the circle that we provide, but actually having something where you're physically moving your hand back and forth like that uh, makes it much more immersive and much more real and emotional than 
I'm gonna circle to zoom in once and circle twice to zoom in twice. Um, so as long as you're like physically manipulating it, it that's kind of what we're interested in. So here, um, before I demonstrated just using Tractor, right? So um, one of our guys has created just kind of like a demo app on how uh, you could create kind of like a real DJ controller. So I'm going to put the microphone down and you'll just kind of see what I'm doing. feedback a bit ago. Uh, one thing that's been really uh, extraordinary to me about uh, the leap is how physical something feels without actually touching anything. Like you literally feel like you actually, even though there's something that stops your hand from moving further, um, you actually stop moving your hand itself and you, you physically like push in the button. Yeah, your brain, your brain kind of does it, but it also requires a uh, a very strict level of finesse. Um, like the guy who made this demo app is absolutely brilliant. And in the way that he made the feel actually occur uh, is kind of vitally important for the haptic feedback. Because if there is no haptic visual feedback, you won't have, you know, if, if, if there isn't something correlating to what you're actually doing on the screen, then you aren't necessarily going to have feedback. But when you see something physical happen, you almost feel it physically. Um, which is crazy, and it's something that's that has definitely like even now, even though I'm developing for it every day, always like makes me like just I don't even know how to explain the feeling, but it's just like what I'm I'm not touching something, but it feels like I'm touching something. Any more questions? Or I think we were I thought we had a little bit less time than we actually did, so we can show some more demos. You could ask more questions, make this more interactive. Maybe we can get uh, one or two of you or three of you to come up and actually try it. Question or demo? I'm sorry, I missed the beginning, but how does it actually identify each finger? Is it through heat signature or a bunch of different algorithms? Yeah, the so there's um, three infrared lights and two cameras, and the infrared LED lights shine light on your hands, and the cameras can detect the scene. And we basically pipe all that data through the computer, and we've got some really smart algorithms and software that kind of crunch the numbers and figure out where my fingers are and where my palms are and other things as well. Yeah, so you see this little green icon up there? That's the Leap software running in the background. Okay, so if I can, I can open it up. Um, if you guys are familiar with WebSockets, you can create a Leap-enabled web page. Just different kind of settings, which a lot of these might not even be here when we release it. Um. So the, the SDK is currently still in uh, sort of private beta, but basically the data that you're getting from the SDK is um, the, the highest level is basically a frame. So it's, it's what the device sees at any one time. Um, inside a frame, you have any number of hands, and each hand has fingers. So that's the that's the type of data you you're kind of getting. You can basically drill down to the finger level. Um, we also mentioned that on top of that, we're sort of abstracting that a little. So we go from the finger and hand data up to what we call motions. So that's kind of continuous movements. So that's things like any any action you do within that space can be broken down into three components: translation, scaling, and rotation. 
So basically, we tell you exactly what's happening at any one time of your hand or within the frame in terms of how much is being translated, how much is rotating, how much is scaling. And then the next layer up is what you saw there a little bit as well, the gestures. So that's kind of more the discrete events. So things like uh, a circle, we tell you how far around the circle you've gone, uh, how far you've swiped, you know, when it started, when it's stopping. Um, so there's, di there's different layers that you can kind of build on and depending on how how much effort you want to put in um, or or how detailed you want your app to be, um, you can kind of choose which layer you want to come in at. So you're saying you can track fingertips and palms? Is that, uh, so can you, for example, differentiate between this and this? Uh, whole fingers and palms, and yes, we can differentiate between that and that. Okay, so, so whole fingers, not just it, the tips then. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but the way that you'd be differentiating between that one would maybe be using like the finger direction. Um, and we provide things like uh, uh, with the hand, there's actually a radius of the sphere that your hand makes. I, I can show you that really quick actually. So um, there's the sphere that would fit under the palm of my hand if, if I had a ball in my hand. So. You can, you can kind of think of everything as being somewhat analog, um, and that's really where the power of this device comes in. It, there is, the, the difference between that and that is there is no specific difference. It's just different parts of a range of movement. So um, that's what allows you to have so, so much. You, you can see here my, with my hand like that, my, my fingers are kind of pointed up and out, right? And now as I kind of close it, they're kind of like twisted, and I might lose my left finger a little bit there. But it's a total different shape, and the palm orientation changes a bit. So if you have some smart algorithms and you're good at programming, you can definitely figure that out. So you get the whole finger then, so you can get vectors on your fingers effectively? Uh, yes. Cool. You, you get the position of the finger as well as the direction of the finger. And then on top of that, you'll also be able to get speed and, um, yeah. to some extent, acceleration. And yeah, we, we ID each finger. Um, currently, in a new version of the software, basically, one of the changes will be that the IDs will always stay um, persistent to the specific finger, so you'll be able to identify this is an index finger. Uh, currently, we just assign an ID to the fingers, but uh, developers have used different tricks to basically say this is your thumb, this is your index finger, this is your left hand, this is your right hand. So you can already do all that. Um, we'll be adding some additions to the API that'll make it simpler as well. It's super lightweight. If you want to come up here and feel it, it feels like. If I want to run this uh, embedded on an ARM small ARM processor, you'll be you'll need to do it a little. Um, so it's pretty CPU intensive. Mm -hmm. um, you'll need a decently up to date computer to run it. Um, we you can scale down. Um, you know, the, its capabilities. So if you're having some issues, you can kind of scale down maybe frame rate or something. Could you do two fingers? I'm sorry? Could you do two fingers? Is that Limit lighter? the number of fingers? Yeah. Um, I don't believe that's possible right I now, mean, um, in, but we're in, doing some... In theory, we could, but it's really a question of would we want to. I mean, it would basically, it would limit the... Um, it would limit the creativity of the developer, really, if we start to do things like limiting the number of fingers. What we're trying to do is increase the total available bandwidth you have. Okay. So moving from something like a keyboard or a mouse where you're very limited in the bandwidth you have, you have a single finger click, 
now you have the ability to use the full range of your hands and fingers. Um, you can be expressive. You know, that's something that you can't really do with most other input devices currently. So in terms of um, if we were going onto a, like a platform like you're talking about, there are ways uh, that we've talked about optimizing the CPU usage. So yeah, mo most of the algorithms are on this system here. So if we want to translate uh, all this heavy math onto, say, an ARM chip or something, we'll need some smart DSP stuff. And um, we just haven't gotten to that yet, really. Is it in your roadmap to look at doing that? Are you interested in? We would like to have device? something that does everything on board. Yes, um, but it's really. From what I can tell, it's more of an all or nothing. If we can get all of it processed on board, we would like to. Otherwise, probably stick with software for now, um, which means like if you wanted on a tablet-based system, uh, you can do that with how he had explained it. He can explain it better than me. OK. I probably missed this from earlier. How well would it work if your hand was interacting with some other physical object in that reverse pyramid zone? So it, like it, a pen? Um, or something bigger, say like a spatula or some kind of cooking um, device, for example. It can actually detect those things. So um, what I hadn't, haven't said yet was the Leap Motion Controller can detect fingers, hands, and also finger-like tools, right? So if you have a pen or a chopstick or something else, um, it can detect what that is. And it, it'll also detect it as something different. Like there's a, just a Boolean that's like, is this a tool or not? Um, so it's really cool because you can see like people are will make like angry birds, but you play with chopsticks instead of your fingers. And uh, I mean, not uh, well. I'm sure there's a lot of good applications in the music space, but in the art sort of space, there's some interesting applications in terms of bringing the real world into your into your art. So, for example, you could have an easel with different paint brushes that have different widths and lengths that represent different brushes in the software as well. So instead of having to use a menu to go and change your brush type, you actually just grab a different brush and start using that. So it becomes a lot more like the real world experience. Anything else? Yes? This would be a little farther off, kind of a road, more roadmap thing. Is there plans to have bigger versions that have bigger fields of view? Uh, yes, but probably not bigger in physical size. So we would like to achieve that goal by making this even smaller, actually. I'm mainly thinking of a lot of the sort of interactive displays that they have for schools and such. They have those big overhead things, and they sure. suck ass. Um, <laughs> this seems like it would be that. But it would need to be, what, six foot by six foot, probably? So. Well, I mean, like, well, if you think about the school situation, um, Currently, you're looking at like a massive interactive whiteboard that, that maybe the teacher can use. Um, imagine if like every child had one of these embedded into the desk, uh, and then every child can actually interact with the same presentation that the teachers. And, and again, your movements can scale to gigantic screens. So I'm going to put this down. So uh, here, and the camera moves with my hand just in this visualizer program, so excuse that. but. Here, my finger is swiping across the 17-inch screen, and I'm barely moving it. So if you have a six-foot by six-foot screen, and you're at a podium, I'm not sure like your setup, but if you're at a podium, you would probably put this in front of you on your podium and control the screen from your podium. Yeah, sure. So six-foot right. movement would be that. In this case, what I'm thinking of more for like little kids, where you actually want to actually have something, a one-by-one, one, like it's a one-to-one one ratio of movement to thing on the screen. Yeah. So um, you have the six-foot screen, and you want them to do this, and you're not necessarily this, right, kind of thing. So sure, anyway, it's whatever. definitely feasible. Uh, something you can do with these are kind of maybe like link more than one together to expand this, the, the sensing range. 
Uh, again, okay, so these are USB 3.0 devices. It's backwards compatible with USB 2. Uh, but with USB 3, the extra bandwidth allows us to kind of connect more than one together. So if you want to have bigger spaces with just this device, then you can. Uh, for something like a six foot by six foot screen where you want a one by one kind of scaling ratio, you'd probably um, think about something a little bit more custom. Uh, so the question was, any, any plans to work with Autodesk? And yeah, we definitely are already. And uh, it's really exciting for those realms because it literally is like, why would you interact with a 3D object in two dimensions? Um, so yeah, that tr for me, especially because like I do a lot of 3D modeling too, it's total magic. It's, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, real quick, we have a few minutes left. I'd just like to, so I'm an, I'd like to DJ in Ableton. Some people say it's not really being a DJ, but whatever. So <laughs> here's a Jimi Hendrix song, and I'm going to use the Leap Motion controller. Uh, they call me like a mashup DJ, right? So. Okay, so. What my hand is going to do is kind of like add stutter effects to this. Technical difficulties, hold on. So, the rotation of my hand is controlling how much stutter I put on it. There's just kind of like a realistic application, at least for my hobby, of how I can apply the Leap Motion controller to my art.